Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatra, joined by Harris Kamani. We're here to break down this March 14th slate. It's a wonderful Monday. We got nine games to talk about, Harris. But how are you, my friend? I am good, but as we were speaking off air, not so wonderful a Monday for me personally, seeing myself kicked out of a couple of playoffs. You know, streamers always end up getting you, but when Markel Fultz drops 11 assists in 18 minutes to uh, cause you to lose the category by two and get kicked out, that's just, that's just painful. First, all the way through about a hundred, I think my record was like 110 to 60, losing to the eighth seed. It's, uh, it's painful. Just. That's how it is, though, sometimes. The streams will get you, my friend. The streams will get you. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, man, but I know uh, I know you said you had a few other leagues going on that you're in playoffs, so you got some chances in. So uh, it, it only takes one to win back those buybacks, you know what I mean? So it only, it only takes one. But we got a nice little slate on our hands. Before we jump into anything, quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy. Guys, come prop up with us over there this NBA season. Thrive is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props with Thrive. You eliminate the countless hours of research. You focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player props. Build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. Now, when you sign up, use that promo code ETHOS. That's E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant First deposit match on up to $100. You can find Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. First game of the night, Los Angeles Clippers traveling to Cleveland. Taking on the Cavs, Clippers on the second half of a back-to-back for the Cavaliers. Rondo is doubtful. Laurie Marketing is questionable, along with Karis LeVert. Jared Allen still out, Colin Sexton still out, and Dean Wade is questionable as well. So they may be they may be getting some bodies back, and they may be missing some more. We have to keep an eye on that. Uh, as far as Vegas is concerned, right now, let's check what we got here for a game total. Uh, I am not finding it. I, don't, I, I can never find these game totals lately, man. Do you have anything over there on your end? Uh, we, I do have it for a couple of them. This one is sitting at uh, two two eleven and a half for me, with the Cavs yep. favored to win by six. Yep, I just hit the refresh button and it popped up. Perfect. So I'll let you lead off. Talk about the Clippers for us. Yeah, and it seems I am absolutely destined to keep taking it on the chin with regards to Reggie Jackson. As much as I love the guy, at 8,200, I've just been avoiding him, and he comes off a monster game today against the Detroit Pistons. So, you know, just maybe it's meant to be. If you're picking Reggie Jackson on that night, great. And same with uh, with Marcus Morris. Like, both those guys – uh, continue to be ones that absolutely would be in play. It's just the price tag that scares me a little bit. Marcus Morris, a little less so. That 5,600 one, it's all about him getting up those shots. And um, two of the last three games, he's gotten 15 or more, and he's been shooting it efficiently in that time. You know, his uh, ancillary stats are always going to be a little hit or miss, but he's got his boards up in that time as well. And really, that's come as a result of the amount of people that are just straight up out for the uh, for the LA Clippers, especially with regards to you know, Cummington being out on the front court, that's also given a little bit more minutes uh, kind of across the board. Marcus Morris has gotten advantage of that, and Nicholas Batum has taken advantage of that, and my other guy, Amir Coffey, has taken advantage of that. And even though at 3,700 he hasn't really hit the levels up till now that we had seen kind of earlier in the season when he got a little bit more minutes, I'm just confident that he's going to end up hitting one of these nights. And 
I've been taking him in a lot of lineups as a result of that. He's playing 36 minutes consistently. He's getting enough shot attempts to be able to go ahead and do pretty well on his value here. But at 3,700 for a guy who's playing 36 minutes, got 11 shots up in this last game as well. It's just a matter of time before we see one of those ice-cold coffee games. So uh, he's going to continue to be one of my value picks as far as the Clippers are concerned. Absolutely, my friend. I, I'm pretty much right there with you. I don't see myself playing too many Clippers. I think Coffee was the one guy that I kind of had penciled uh, as a good value play. Just, you know, the minutes, the price. It's like you said, though, the shots just need to fall for him. And if that does happen and when it does happen, uh, he'll easily pay that off. But nothing nothing really else over there for me. Uh, on the Cleveland side of the ball, you know, we kind of have to see who's playing. Uh, if marketing sits again. I think we can go right back to the well with a guy like Kevin Love, uh, 6,600, the price tag, a little elevated. Uh, but drew the start in that last one, put up a solid game, nothing crazy, uh, double-doubled, but I'm more interested in the minutes. He ended up playing 34 minutes, and Kevin Love is at fifth. Even at this age, fantastic point-per-minute producer, where if you give him that load of minutes over 30, uh, he should easily pay this off and has you know that 40 to even 50 DK point upside. Uh, I don't mind going back to the well with Mobley. He should be over 8K. Don't know why he's not. But as long as he is the starting center with Jared Allen out, he gets that rebounding upside. Now, I think he's a better play when Kevin Love's not in the lineup, uh, simply because there's more rebounds available. Kevin Love is a magnet. It just works that way. And we need Mobley to hit the double-digit rebounds to really kind of have that 40-plus DK point upside. So he's going to have the stocks there. So those are the two guys uh, I really find myself the most interested in playing. I won't fault you if you wanted to look at Garland. Uh, dude is pretty much as consistent as they come. But there's other guards that I like. I would say in a similar price range that I just don't see myself landing on all too much. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Garland is definitely a solid, solid play for his price tag here. He probably would get somewhere close to that 45 mark. But as you said, there's other guards that we'll talk about that are $500 cheaper, and in my opinion, have more upside for what they'll do. So we'll get to that when that happens. But yeah, Mobley is probably the only guy that I was looking at here alongside, you know, a glutton for punishment in myself and Chetty Osmond. Again, it's just a combination of the minutes and shot attempts that he's getting with everyone else just sitting out that puts him into play for me. Dropped 27 and a half in that last game against Chicago as well. And you know what you're going to get with him. It's going to be inconsistency, but as long as he's getting those consistent minutes and consistent shot attempts, I'm happy to take him for anything under 5,000, depending on how my lineups end up rolling around. But beyond that, yeah, I'm avoiding most of these guys on the Cleveland side. All right. We'll move on to the next game. Portland Trailblazers traveling to Atlanta. Taking on the Hawks here uh, for the injury report. None, nothing for the Hawks. Second half of a back-to-back. And then for Portland, as we know, a plethora of bodies. Eric Bledsoe, Joe Ingles, Lillard, Nasir Little, Didi Luizada, uh Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Justice Winslow, all ruled out. This game is coming in with a 235, 233.5 game total. Uh, Atlanta being favored by 12.5 points. I'll let you lead off with these Portland guys whose price tags continue to jump. Yeah, when you have a grand total of like six guys that you're really able to play with everyone else, just a sea of red, that's bound to happen. Someone's going to have to put up stats, and that's really what we saw with Josh Hart, for instance, in that last game. And I've been avoiding pretty much taking any of these Portland Trailblazers outside of Watford, who I will speak about. But really, I mean, he dropped 72 in the last game. I'm sure his ownership will go up as a result of that, but this is far too expensive a price tag for me to uh, take on someone like a Josh Hart in a Portland matchup, which even though 
technically I'm seeing it as the highest game total of the night, but it's also a double digit point spread. I spoke about it on the Sunday podcast as well. It's just one of those things where it's a catch 22. Yes, there's great uh, value to potentially be had in a high game total like this, but you just don't know where it's going to come from. And the only spot that I've been finding myself consistently going has been with Trendon Watford, who got a start in his last game now against Washington as a result of the good work he did against Utah. And he went ahead and broke his uh, career high from 22 all the way up to 27 in the next game, dropped 43 DK points as well. Now, his price tag has gotten a little bit of a jump as a result of it, but really, he's the only one guy that I do like on the Portland Trailblazers in general. I believe he's got a lot to offer from his offensive versatile stat set, and the fact that he's got that power forward center eligibility gives him a little bit of room to be able to kind of maneuver around to be able to fit him in. But beyond that, I've honestly just been avoiding the Portland Trailblazers like the plague. I don't trust the talent for them to be able to keep any game close, and especially against an Atlanta Hawks team at home, I'd be worried about taking anyone too much more expensive. Yeah, pretty much right there with you again, my friend. Uh, you know, I was looking at Brandon Williams, knowing as a point guard, going against Trey Young. This dude just can't seem to hit water if he fell out of a boat at this point. Very, very inconsistent shooter. Now, he's probably going to still play 35 minutes, even if this game gets out of hand. Uh, with that being said... It's it's a tough it's a tough ask. I mean, if I'm running it back with some of these Atlanta guys, if you're not buying that twelve and a half point spread, which I kind of am, uh, he makes more sense. I think Watford as well, though, just because you said it, he's versatile, play a little bit of the four, play a little bit of the five, and they're just giving these young guys a run at this point. Uh, and he's been earning it. He's been playing fantastic over the past week and a half. So those would be the two guys that I have interest in. If anybody, always keeping Keon Johnson in the back of my mind as well, just because if this game does get out of hand. I would expect him to play more than like the 15 minutes he played in the previous game. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we got to keep an eye on John Collins. He sat out Sunday. Uh, he said that he they will he will be a game time decision for Monday. Um, I mean, if he plays at 5,500, that just feels dumb cheap. But again, they could easily run these Blazers out of the game. Around and and all we know next is that John Collins is playing 22 minutes because uh, the game got so out of hand. If he sits, I don't mind taking a flyer on a guy like Danilo Gallinari at 4,500. But that's probably really it. I don't know. I don't really trust this whole game environment. I do like these price tags a lot. Normally in this spot, 10-3 for Trey Young in this matchup, I'd absolutely be all over. Um, but again, it's really just going to come down to how you feel about this game and whether or not it can stay close because it's a fantastic spot for Atlanta right here. I think Trey Young, Gallinari, if Collins says, Collins if Collins plays, those three guys are all in absolutely fantastic spots. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where like some random guy decides to stack pretty much his entire lineup from this game and just ends up minting because it's just everything else kind of working out in his favor. Not that I'm saying to go for anything like that, but as I said, there's just so many nice price tags to like in this game, whether that be Kevin Herter, whether that be Gallinari. Uh, both of those are probably kind of the major guys I'd be looking at, although you know Capella at 6,000 as well is just very compelling you like what I did there but by and large it's just one of those where unless you believe in the game script itself to be somewhat decent just go ahead and avoid you may even want to just scratch out this game altogether turn a nine game into an eight game slate and just make things a little bit more safe for yourself but lots of GPP options there all right we'll move on to the third game Denver Nuggets traveling to Philadelphia this one should have a little bit of fireworks taking on the Nuggets here 221 and a half game total Sixers favored by three and a half points. We'll take to the injury report. The Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, both rolled out. Aaron Gordon, Zeke Nagy are questionable. We do not have an injury report yet, just yet for the 76ers. Second half of a back-to-back for them. I will pass it over to you. Talk about 
I mean, it all pretty much starts and ends with the Jokic, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there with you and, yeah. and get your take. No, absolutely, and you're talking about fireworks. This is probably going to be the game to watch on the night with two MVP candidates going up against each other. Really, it's a two-horse race at this point, and even though I'm pretty heavily favored myself towards the Jokic side, there's obviously compelling arguments that uh, Embiid is, obvious, is also in play to be able to get to that. So this game will go, I wouldn't say totally to the end of settling it, but it definitely will make a statement despite how, or depending on how the game ends up going. So as far as you said, Jokic, 12,400, like you know exactly what he is, what he's going to do. And if he's going to be playing like 35 minutes as he did the first time around against Philly, you draw 57 and a half in that kind of game. The problem is at 12,400, you need him to drop into the 60s, 70s for it to really work out well for you. Now, I'm not putting that past him. I do believe this is going to be one of the closer games of the night and likely will be them dueling it out against each other. So, you know, if I'm going with Jokic, I'll probably be looking to run it back with some of the uh, Philly guys as well to really lock myself in on this matchup. Like you said, Jokic is definitely in play. Beyond that, I'm kind of looking at some of these bottom guys over here. So if Aaron Gordon is uh, ruled out over there, then that gives me a little bit more interest in someone like Jeff Green. Uh, I do like Bones Highland, though you know his minutes total is the only thing that kind of concerns me out. But again, we've seen his ability to get hot and shoot very quickly and get it going uh, in that Raptors game, which, by the way, awesome back-to-back wins against the Nuggets and the Suns. But he dropped 35 over there in only 19 minutes, hit five threes, and just looks like he's ready to essentially take on a bigger role for this team. He's offensively really polished. His step-back game is beautiful. It's just gorgeous to watch when he gets a shot going. So I'm expecting that he's going to start to see his minutes continue to rise. I mean, we've seen Mike Malone just be effusive in his praise for him. So it'll happen at some point other than that. But until then, the only other guy that kind of gets a little bit of my interest is Austin Rivers, purely because of the minutes that he ends up playing. Also has that random small forward eligibility, probably the smallest small forward in the league if he gets to play. But at 3,700, he gets enough shots and enough minutes to be able to pay that off pretty consistently as well. So that's someone to keep an eye on just as a dart throw. Yeah, I really don't. I really don't have much interest uh, on the Nuggets, man. It doesn't. It doesn't feel right saying it, but uh, in all honesty, I just don't think I'm going to be playing any of them. I think I'll take a pass. Um, I think that there's better guys on the slate for the price tag. So listen, I won't fault you if you ever want to go Jokic. Uh, I just don't think I'm going to be targeting him in this spot. Uh, and almost the same thing can be with the Philly team too. Yeah, I, I do want to keep an eye on things because there has been rumblings that some of these guys are going to start to rest down the stretch a little bit. It is a back-to-back for them, back end of it. Uh, we've seen Harden get a rest game not too long back uh, just to kind of manage that hamstring. It wouldn't surprise me if this ends up being one of those situations where uh, they want to you know, rest Harden or manage the hamstring. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on this game. And, you know, maybe if somebody does get ruled out, that will shake things up enough where, you know, if Harden sits, I imagine it'll be Cork Moss that draws the start at 3,500. There's worse you could do. There's also probably better you can do at the same time. But outside of, uh, you know, Everybody being healthy, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be really looking at anybody over here. And then I guess we could take a, you know, maybe a look at a guy like Maxi if we see that Harden sits or Corkmans if Harden sits or even Embiid if if Harden sits because obviously uh, usage will go up ever so slightly. It'd be a little less ISO ball and all that other good stuff. So that's probably going to be my take on this. But enlighten me if you have a a different outlook. I think you're right uh, with regards to what Philly may be looking to do, especially given the fact that they had to go through an overtime game against the Orlando Magic, which. Really shouldn't have happened, but it did. And even though they pulled out the win, it did come at the cost of, you know, Harden playing 44 minutes, Embiid playing 41, Maxi 44, 
Tobias 43. Like all those guys got a heavy workload in. So definitely something to keep an eye on as far as their resting purposes are concerned. And as you said, if that happens, the rest of them come in play. But everything being normal, Embiid is probably kind of the major guy I'd be looking at. But again, it all comes down to how the rest of my lineup ends up shaking out because there are just a lot of potentially good value guys to be able to take. Even on the expensive side, there's guys that have come down into that 8,000 range that I'm going to have interest in. So, yeah, I think just because of the slate itself, I'll probably end up avoiding a lot of these guys. But like I said, they're definitely in play for what they can do. And given how close this matchup could be, I mean, we could end up seeing high usage again if everyone's playing with high minutes total. So you can't just scratch it out, but it's a risk you will be taking. All right, fourth game of the night. Charlotte Hornets traveling to OKC to take on the Thunder. For the injury report, the Hornets, Book Knight, Gordon Hayward, Kai Jones, uh, all ruled out. Oklahoma City is on the second half of a back-to-back. We know that there's several bodies that have been out for them and then should be out for the remainder of the season. Uh, they haven't completely ruled out Giddy yet for the season, but it's getting to that point. Uh, and then for a game total, 231 and a half. We have the Hornets favored by seven and a half points. Start off here with the Hornets. LaMelo at 85, coming in as the highest priced player. Is that too cheap for him? That is way too cheap for him. And that's exactly who I'd kind of been alluding to with the, everything else that we've been seeing up till now. It's just a price tag that really he should have absolutely no trouble smashing given the matchup. I mean, last time around, it was a pretty massive blowout for the Hornets. But again, that was the Hornets at home. OKC has usually been quite a bit peskier uh, on their side, and really that's being reflected on uh, the game total and everything here of 231 and the fact that the Hornets are being favored, but by seven, where you might have otherwise expected a double-digit favor for them, also given the fact that they won by 23 points at home last time around. But as you said, it's just one of those situations where uh, LaMelo is coming in at a price tag where he absolutely has all the room to be able to smash that. He's probably going to be... Now, spoiler alert here, my favorite guy to be able to go, just given the fact that this price tag gives me so much versatility to be do, to be uh, doing other things with my lineup. And even just on his individual performance, I mean, he's not going to kill you at all with that price tag. Three out of his last four games have been 43.75 or above. You know what he can do if he can get himself going. It's all about uh, his minutes and his overall usage as a result. His shot attempts have been slightly down the last two games, but he'd gotten himself up to 22 in that Brooklyn game. And if this keeps even somewhat close, I do expect him to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end, really uh, get himself established there. So definitely in play for me as far as uh, Charlotte's concerned. And then beyond that, really, there's not too, too much I like. I do think PJ Washington is in one of those situations where he's looking to kind of get himself a little bit back on track. His uh, his minutes had been down to 24 in that uh, Pelicans game. But again, that was a blowout. By and large, he's been sitting in a pretty solid like high 30s as far as his minutes are concerned. So that's a pretty good spot for 5,100 in a fast-paced matchup for him to do pretty well. But beyond that, that's pretty much it as far as I'm looking at for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I never, I never will knock LaMelo Ball. I mean, we always talk under 10K. Uh, he's been under 9K for, I would say, probably past five, six games now. Uh, but I also want to keep an eye on Terry Rozier. The dude has just been absolutely on fire. I mean, over the last four games, he's averaging 40, 60K points. Uh, the shot attempts continue to be there for him. He's been super aggressive. He's always going to chip into ancillary stats. He's a steals machine. He's going to be right in the middle of the road when it comes to rebounds and assists. He also has shooting guard eligibility. So I actually see myself kind of landing on Rozier a little bit more than LaMelo. But they're so close in price that you can mix and match with these guys and feel good about it in this matchup. I, I have no issues looking at either one of them. And then you touched on P.J. 
Uh, absolutely have some interest in P.J. Washington. This matchup suits him well. Uh, big men, he's not really the biggest of big men, uh, but they've been absolutely torching OKC pretty much all season long as they've just been kind of centerless, I guess. <laughs> they've been playing people at the center position, uh, but it's been it's been rough, needless to say. Uh, on the Thunder side of the ball, I mean, it, it pretty much for me, it just starts and ends with Shea at 10-4. Uh, absolutely love this matchup for him. He put up almost 50 DK points on his team earlier in the season. Another guy that has just been absolutely cooking recently. He's averaging 53 DK points over the last five games. Uh, I absolutely have some interest in Shea. I think I, it comes down to it. I think he's probably going to be the cashier play compared to Trey Young. And then Trey Young making more sense as far as tournaments because he'll probably have lower ownership at that 12.5 point spread. Uh, but that's probably the only guy I'm really really interested in over here. Uh, Trey Mann has been getting the minutes, has been playing well, but at 5,200, it doesn't feel like there's much meat left on the bone for GPPs. But if you land on him, there's worse you could do. Yeah, and I can never fault anyone with Shea. It's just I can never find myself picking him. It's just one of those things, I guess it's a personal uh, scenario where I just feel like, one, I don't, I don't think they should be playing him the kind of minutes they are, but he continues to play those 38 minutes every night. So clearly OKC is not just going to go away from him. So I may have to recalibrate my thought process on that. But by and large, I've been finding myself taking more of these mid-tier guys. You spoke about Trey Mann. Uh, Isaiah Roby is the other one that I've been pretty much taking. I'd say for the last five nights, I've taken him four out of those five, if not uh, every single time. So it's just one of those where... I, le- I love him in his position. He's finally getting the minutes that he should be getting. At 5,800, there's still enough upside for him to get to that you know, 40 DK points, 50 DK points that he's done twice in the last five games while still having a floor that just keeps him pretty secure around that 30 points. So I expect him to get into the 6,000s pretty soon, which will probably take him out of that kind of must play for me. But as it stands, he's been the guy I've been going with, as well as uh, we saw Darius Baisley come off an absolute monster game tonight, uh, dropped 50 DK points in that. Not necessarily something you want to chase, but you know that he is going to be getting his secure minutes as well. So it really all comes down to, how much exposure you end up wanting on the uh, on the OKC side, but personally, I'm avoiding Shea. I am taking Roby though. All right, we'll move on to the next game. We have Minnesota traveling to San Antonio, taking on the Spurs. Here, game does not have a. Uh, I don't have a game total yet. I have a spread, five and a half point spread, favored to Minnesota. Uh, I do not have a game total where I'm looking. Maybe when I pass it over to you, enlighten us a little bit before the injury report. Uh, Patrick Beverly, Jordan McLaughlin, Nas Reed are all questionable. Jared Vanderbilt has been ruled out. Anthony Edwards is probable. And then for the Spurs, it's Kata Bates, Diop, Romeo Langford, Doug McDermott all sitting out. And uh, it looks like Devontae is questionable. That's pretty much it. And then I will pass it over to you. Talk about this Minnesota team. Uh, they've had some bodies in and out of the lineup. But for the most part, it's pretty much what we've been seeing for the most part of the season, which is just consistency between the same like three players. But you break down what you got. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much been those three guys. And then when whenever Patrick Beverly goes out, that brings the Malik Beasley factor into it because he just ends up playing uh, 30 plus minutes in those matchups. You know, he's got the ability to be able to get hot. We saw it against uh, OKC a couple of games back where he went up to 45 DK points. So for me, he's just a perfect guy to be able to take a dart on as far as GPP is concerned. Obviously, from a from a cash perspective, I also, by the way, don't have a total for it. But five and a half points is uh, close enough where you know, Minnesota is likely to get high minutes out of their main three guys. So between Towns, Russell, Anthony Edwards, who is question, who was questionable but is now listed as probable, assuming all of them play, these guys are pretty fairly priced. I mean, it's the same thing as always. If I'm picking between Russell and Edwards, I always end up leaning Russell just 
because of everything else as far as his ability to be able to get hot at any given time and more assists coming from his side. That's pretty much it, but I can never fault you for going with Anthony Edwards as well, who really just needs his shot to get going for everything else kind of to work for him. And he's got two uh, games now where he's had 40 DK points and above. So, again, lots of guys that are pretty fairly priced have a little bit of upside with regards to their price tags here. But apart from maybe taking a shot at uh, at Malik Beasley, I'll probably end up uh, avoiding these guys. With the little exception that I do end up liking Jaden McDaniels in a couple of these games. Maybe not on this slate, given the fact that it's so many games and so many options, but McDaniels has been a guy who's just consistently been playing well for this team. His minutes uh, are consistently up, even in that game against Miami. It's only because he fouled out that uh, he didn't end up playing that regular 30-plus minutes that he has been doing, and his uh, three-point shooting continues to improve, while the fact that he's overall just so efficient from the field because of his ability to just get inside gives you a lot of options for him to be able to hit his price tag below 5000 pretty much every night. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind uh, looking at McDaniel's. It's the price tag. I wish he was a little bit cheaper, like that mid fours range, and I'd have a lot more interest in him. But you said it. It's probably him and Beasley are the guys that I'm the most interested in. Uh, just so many other guards on the slate where I don't see myself landing on Edwards or landing on Russell. Wouldn't fault if you wanted to go that way. We, we know those guys are explosive. They both have upside. Their floors usually hover right around that thirty to thirty-five DK point mark, which uh, isn't going to lose you a lineup or a contest if you necessarily play them. Uh, but just not guys that I'm overly excited about in, in general. Uh, on the Spurs side of the ball, I mean, I've been lame tonight, man. But, like, I'm, I'm picking my spots, and I'm kind of going to stick with that. You know, Murray sat out that last one. We had the Trey Jones shock. Obviously, everybody knows you love Trey Jones shock at this point. You play him if anytime Murray sits. There's no doubt about it. Uh, unless he's, like, 7K, uh, you're playing him. There's no doubt. But Murray back in the lineup, we can't really go that way. Kelvin Johnson back in the lineup, so, you know, we can't really go the Josh Richardson way either. Uh, so I think I'll probably end up taking a pass for the most part on this team. I won't fault you. I know you're going to mention Kelvin Johnson, so I'll, I'll save that for you. Uh, but for the most part, man, I just don't see myself, you know, getting overly excited about anybody in this game. Uh, I don't, I don't expect Vassal to take another 20 shot attempts with Murray back in the lineup. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has sneakily been a fantastic defender this season. He's a guy that I don't mind going against him, but I'm not going to go out of my way to target somebody who's almost 11K. And with so many other guard options that we've already spoke about in that 8 to 10K range, that I, I think I'll end up taking a pass on Murray as well. And, you know, it, it pains me to say because I feel like I'm the Murray guy. Yeah. And hey, there's nothing wrong with being a Murray guy. I love him in real life. Just I wish the price tag is always just slightly cheaper to be able to justify myself taking him, even though he goes off for 60 so often that it's like, yeah, he's, he's definitely worth that price tag. It's just one of those where I'm always looking for value. Uh, beyond that, yeah, as you said, there's not super exciting picks at all. The Keldon Johnson is just one of those where if you're looking for solidity, if you're looking for a guy who you can pretty much know is going to hit 5x to 80% of the time for any price tag in the 6,000s, you're you know, you're glad to be able to go ahead and take him, and he's got that upside always to drop 40. So it's I, I probably won't land on him just given the fact that there's other options out here, but in general – all these guys are pretty fairly priced uh, and with everyone there back, it just kind of takes away some of that upside, as you said, between the uh, Trey Jones, between the Lonnie Walkers, between the Devin Vassell, all those guys just kind of lose their shine when everyone else is there. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably end up avoiding this game and uh, having another one that I scratch out for the rest of the lineup as much as I can take a nine game slate. And in my mind, I'm turning into like a six game slate. That's fine with me. I'll go with that. Yeah, you're even better than me. I'm turning mine into like a four-game slate at this point because uh, even, you know, I think I'm pretty much ruling out that game. I'm not playing much for Denver-Philly. 
Portland Atlanta is going to be my GPP game, but the you know I, I we'll get to the next one too because I'll, I'll let you know what my thoughts are on that one. But Washington Wizards uh, traveling to Golden State, taking on the Warriors in this one. So we do have some some bodies returning here, man, uh, for Golden State. They are expecting the return of Draymond Green. His minutes will most likely be severely monitored and limited. Uh, Andre Iguodala, Gary Payton, James Wiseman have been ruled out, and then for the Wizards, Bradley Beal. And then everybody else uh, should be good to go as far as guys who are not in the G League. Uh, and then for a game total and spread, we're looking at 225.5. Golden State favored by 12.5 points here. I'll let you start with the Wizards. Looks like they're going to be full go, though. Um, I'll save it, but you go. You go. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Washington Wizards are concerned, the only guy that I've ever really been interested in in general now that it's everyone's back is Porzingis straight out, out there. For him, it's just a matter of getting back his minutes as normal, which really he's not on a hardcore restriction from what we've understood over here. It's just one of those where games haven't really been necessarily close enough for him to play the kind of minutes that he would otherwise get. 7200 is a pretty solid price tag for him to be able to come up against the Warriors. But again, the Warriors with Draymond back are going to be such a fantastic team defensively that, you know, it's just a bit of a worry that if I go in with uh, some of these guys over here, you may find that they get absolutely shut down. That's why I'm avoiding Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I avoid him in general, but I'll just be looking to avoid him even more so against the Warriors over here. I just think that they're going to be in such a groove having Draymond back and everything else is just is going to make it tough for them to actually uh, be able to hang too too much and the point spread is saying to the same thing right 12 and a half favored for the Golden State Warriors in a 225 game which means that you could potentially be looking at some of these kind of end of bench guys as being ones that could end up just playing out as a result of it I do think Denny Abdia in general is one of those guys who should be getting his minutes continue to rise but he's seen it go down in three bad games back to back to back, which is taking away his minutes total as well. So really there's just a lot of uncertainty with regards to what uh, the Warriors will do, or sorry, the Wizards will do that's outside of maybe taking a shot at Porzingis. I'll probably be avoiding most of these guys. I'm right there with you. He's the one guy that I can see maybe having a couple of shares of, but I don't, I don't feel like I, when it's all said and done and like my cash or single entries, I'll, I'll even land on them. Uh, most likely won't. And then on the Golden State side of the ball, I'll probably avoid a lot of these guys, too. Another game I'm pretty much crossing off, it feels like. Uh, it's a great matchup for him, don't get me wrong. But with a fully healthy team now, granted, Draymond's probably only going to play anywhere between 16 and 22 minutes is what I imagine. Uh, Clay Thompson coming off an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, I don't want to go chasing games necessarily, but he'd probably be the one guy I can see myself maybe having shares of. But I just don't think I'm playing any of these guys. I'd rather play Shea or even Trey Young over Curry. Um but it's all said and done, yeah, I, I think I'm taking a pass here, and I think, you know, we got to keep an eye on Kaminga now. He's played so well that he might have played himself a little further up into the rotation, but Draymond back, obviously some minutes are going to get siphoned, and they're most likely to come from him. That is true, although given how I expect this game to go, I do think Kaminga will still get his opportunity to get to that uh, 28-ish minute range. We'll have to see what the actual minutes restriction is for Draymond, but if I'm to guess, he's probably going to play anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. That's just... You throwing it out there, what would make sense for him to uh, be able to kind of get himself back in the groove? It would be similar to what Clay was doing when he first got back onto the floor. So if that's the case, and given the game is going to likely be a double-digit spread one, I do think I might have a couple of shares of Kaminga as well as Looney. It's kind of been this like areas where I have been uh, playing them relatively consistently, especially Looney, who himself has been 
kind of the model of consistency. He's getting anywhere between you know, 21 to 27 minutes, depending on how things work. He doesn't really ever give you a dud game because he can get you. It's almost like a mini Draymond at this point now. He's getting like four to five assists a game pretty consistently as well, alongside near double digit and rebounds. Even if, you know, even if Draymond is there, I do think he's kind of locked himself into that, uh, that starting center role for them. It's just working out really well. We'll see what happens once Wiseman shows up and what that actually does for the rotation. But I think Looney is in a pretty good spot to be able to consistently produce. And at 4,300, he's probably the one guy I have a little bit of interest in just from that perspective. All right. We'll move on to the last three games, all the night games starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, and later. And this is kind of where my interest starts to pop in. Uh, a little bit, definitely more than what we've already talked about. Chicago Bulls traveling to Sacramento, taking on the Kings. For the Kings, Justin Holiday, Alex Land, both questionable. Terrence Davis has been ruled out. And then for the Bulls, Lonzo Ball, Tyler Cook, Malcolm Hill. Patrick Williams all rolled out. Zach Levine is questionable. He's the guy that we need to keep our eye on. Uh, but this game right now is coming in at a, let's check it out here, uh, no game total, but four-and-a-half-point spread for the Bulls. I will pass it over to you to talk about Chicago. Yeah, and we saw this matchup not too long ago where it was super fun all the way, 125-118 game over there. DeMar DeRozan had an absolute monster game, and, we got to see Alex Caruso return back for the Chicago Bulls as well. So they're finally getting back to a level of health for them. And I'll actually start with Caruso. We knew off the bat as soon as he was coming back that he was going to be playing somewhere close to 30 minutes. That was the restriction level that was given to him. They said between 24 to 30, and he ended up playing 29 minutes in his first game back and looked fantastic. His steals were right there. Is he going to end up as like the steals leader just for <laughs> everything else? Is that two steals a game, racked up four in that first game back and looked in like he hadn't left. So that's a great spot for them. And I do think the Sacramento matchup is going to be one of the higher points totals of the night. Sacramento at home is always, it's always kind of must watch TV just based on how crazy it ends up getting. We usually find that Sacramento at home is able to play at a little bit better pace than they do away. And you know, that crowd as much as people hate on the franchise, that fan base is pretty legit. So it's always fun for me personally to watch it. I do expect I'm going to have a little bit of exposure here. I already spoke about having uh, having Caruso. If uh, if Zach Levine is ending up being out, that just kind of doubles me down on that. And then I may be looking at a little bit of uh, Kobe White to be able to kind of match it out as well. We've spoken about DeRozan and Vucevic on numerous occasions over there. Uh, DeRozan is in a price tag where it's pretty fair for what he's been doing, but he's now below 10,000 again as he has been for the last couple of games, but still continues to be that and a mid-range force consistent. You know he's likely not going to be below 40 in any game, which means he's not going to kill you. And then he has that upside to be able to drop a 50-plus. So never fault you. I don't understand why he's being listed as like a pure power forward. It was the most like odd position to choose for me where it's like, okay, well, that may end up actually getting him in a couple of my lineups because, hey, if I can have a guard usage of that level on a uh, on a forward position, that may actually – Kind of tip my uh, tip my hat towards it, but beyond that, I think Caruso is going to be in a lot of lineups for me, and uh, I'll probably pass on uh, on the Vucevic train for now, though. I pretty much almost spot on with you. Uh, I'll, I'll be playing some Caruso as well. Uh, the minutes will probably hover right around that same range. I don't necessarily expect him to jump up. Uh, wouldn't shock me if he ends up getting put into that starting lineup, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, first game they took him off the bench, but obviously he's a better actual basketball player at this point in time than Kobe White. Uh, 
just can do a little bit more on the floor, especially defensively, and they're going to need his defense, something the Bulls have been lacking all season long. So definitely going to be interested in him. If if Levine's ruled out is going to be the big note for me and where I'm going to be looking at. I'm not going to be playing a ton of DeRozan, but I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go that way. Uh, I'm not playing DeRozan if Levine is in, but if he sits, I'll have a little bit of interest. I think Vooch is in play either way, though. Uh, 8500 is a fair price tag. The Kings have been dreadful against the posting centers. So I'm, I'm always interested in this these kinds of matchups where pretty high usage center going against a team that pretty much couldn't guard anybody uh, at this point in time. Alex Len being questionable doesn't really factor into any of my decision-making, but, you know, it's another center down, I guess. We could, we could take it into account, but we're talking about just a streak of games where it just hasn't been really Vooch-worthy. Uh, this is one of those games where he's going to buck out of that slump is what I'm expecting. He's only averaging 40 DK points over the last four. Uh, put up 43.5 on them earlier in the season, but I'm I'm kind of – I got a hunch this could be one of those 50-point Vooch games. So I do have I do have some interest over there. So it's pretty much going to be Vooch. It's going to be Alex Caruso and DeRozan. If we see that there is no Zach Levine, I'll have some interest over there. Uh, on the Sacramento side of the ball, no De'Aaron Fox for me. I get it. This dude is an absolute beast ever since Halliburton got traded. It's it's very similar to like how Kyle Kuzma started going off ever since Bradley Beal. I'll just keep taking it off the chin. It's too late for me to jump on the bandwagon at this point. Uh, the day that I go and spend that much money is the day that I get burned. Uh, and then Demonis Sabonis at 92. Uh, for everything I said about Vooch, I like Sabonis a little bit more. Price tags. A little higher, obviously. We're paying the extra seven hundred dollars. So if you don't have it, I'm, I'm going to have probably have one of these big men in a lot of my lineups. Um, it's just trying to figure out which one, uh, and that's going to be the challenge. But obviously, it depends on where your money falls. Those would be the two, uh, the, the one guy I'm probably looking at. If we happen to see that Holiday's ruled out, I think that would be a nice little boost for Dante Divincenzo. I uh, wouldn't mind looking that way. Or you can even go down to a guy like Jeremy Lamb down to thirty three hundred. One of those guys will most likely end up drawing the start if Holiday sits, but something that we have to kind of monitor and keep our eye on. Uh, maybe you have some uh, some news or can enlighten me a little bit on who you think would draw the start, but that's pretty much it for me. It's going to be looking at one of those wings positions and then some bonus. Yeah, man, I was going to be right there with you on what you were saying about uh, Vucevic there earlier. I was like, Sabonis is the guy I'd be a lot more interested in. I mean, he's played Chicago four times already this season and has pretty much been on the nose of uh, 50 DK points night in and night out against him. So it's just been a great matchup for him. He's continued to do his business against Vucevic, who, as great as he can be on the offensive end, has his own struggles on the defensive side of things as well. And Sabonis is just a little too crafty for Vucevic to be able to stay in front of him. So definitely where uh, we're going to see most of my exposure, if I am looking at the Sacramento side, I'm right there with you on Darren Fox. It's just been one of those guys that I think I just have a thing against the guards who just can't shoot the three very well. I mean, DeRozan's a bit of an exception just because DeRozan's DeRozan at this point with his mid-range godliness, but as you said, it's uh, if, if Justin Holiday is ruled out, we ended up seeing a bit of a mix. Like, we saw Davion Mitchell get up to 21, we saw DiVincenzo get 17, and Jeremy Lamb, who's just coming back from his ankle injury, got about 13 minutes there, so we'll have to see where that ends up going there, but really, I think all that's going to mean is that Harrison Barnes and, uh, and De'Aaron Fox just end up playing somewhere close to 40 minutes to be able to make up to it. They run a pretty tight ship as far as their rotation is concerned, which is why Harrison Barnes is probably, as much as I don't like taking him in a lot of matchups, he probably is a little bit in play here for me. Again, for that forward eligibility, his price tag is still pretty decent. I've taken a lot of those games off the chin, but as much as I speak about Keldon Johnson being consistent, Harrison Barnes is very much in that same mold as well. At uh, that 6000 price range, you can expect that he'll get 
know, somewhere close to 30, even on a, on a mediocre night. And if he happens to get a little bit more of a shot going, then he can get you that upside where he hits into the forties as well. So really that's about it. I, I expect this to be a relatively close game, relatively high pace game. So that's going to drive a lot of my exposure, but Sabonis is going to be the main guy I'm targeting here. All right. Two games left. Milwaukee Bucks traveling to Utah. Taking on the Jazz here. This game does not have a game total, but Bucks are favored by one and a half points. Uh, to the injury report, we go DeAndre Bembry out for the season towards ACL and MCL. Uh, no good for DeAndre Bembry, obviously. Hopefully he can get back on the court next season. We have to see him again. Pat Connaughton is ruled out as well. And then for the Jazz, Rudy Gobert is questionable. Uh, it's not even the calf at this point. What it's being ruled as is a left foot or first metatarsal joint sprain. So don't be shocked if Rudy starts ending up sitting a few games towards the end of the season, just knowing that they're going to need him for playoffs. And bottom line, this this foot and the calf have been causing him some issues all season long. Uh, so that's something that we have to keep an eye on. But that's pretty much the only uh, news. Oh, oh, Indy Joka, obviously, if he, he's ruled out as well. So if there's no Rudy. Pretty much leaves only Whiteside left as the center over there. But I will pass it over to you to talk about this Bucks team. This should be a competitive matchup. Those are the ones that we like to target Giannis, but it's just the defense we want to do it in. Exactly, yeah. Expect it to be a super competitive matchup, and the Bucks are getting a big boost with Brooke Lopez coming back as well after pretty much the entire season. thought that would be in jeopardy. His back had obviously been in big trouble. He had back surgery. had been gone for three months, but... He's coming back. We'll have to see what kind of minutes uh, restriction he's looking at as well, because if he's expected to play something of a normal minutes total, and we'll supposedly find that out hopefully prior to the game starting, at 4200 that's a pretty good price tag for a Splash Mountain. You know, he just needs uh, himself to get going. He only played, what, one game this season, dropped 24 in that one as well. So we'll have to see what that looks like. But really, it's going to come likely at the cost of a lot of Bobby Portis usage, which right then and there at 6600 you know, otherwise, it may have had some interest, but it's pretty much knocked him out. So really, if you're looking at uh, at the Buck side here, it's going to be looking at the big three uh, between uh, Giannis Middleton and, uh, and Drew Holiday. And really, as far as their individual games are concerned, I mean, it's only really been Giannis that's had an opportunity to play uh, against the Utah Jazz this season, dropped uh, 51 DK points in, the, in that one where both of those guys were missing. Uh, between uh, Middleton and Holiday, I, you know, I usually like taking Holiday more than I like taking Middleton. But again, I just think the upside for both of those price tags is not at the level that would give me, uh, you know, interest in them versus some of the other options. I mean, we spoke about Lamelo Ball being 600 more than Drew Holiday. I'd definitely be looking to take him more. And at that forward role, I mean, you have Mobley at 7,700. That probably gives me a little bit more interest in uh, over Chris Middleton as well. So just in general. I think these guys are solid. They'll probably hit 5x or somewhere close to it for their value. But if I'm looking for upside on a uh, on a GPP plate on a slate, then I'm probably avoiding most of these bucks here, and maybe I'll have some Utah exposure instead. Yeah, I can't fault you there one bit. I think I'd look at Giannis if we see Gobert's rolled out. Otherwise, I'll avoid him um, just because I, if they don't have anybody to protect the paint like Gobert, Giannis should be able to surpass that 50 DK points he put up in the last one. But, again, you're, you're talking about a guy that's 12th, too, on a slate where there's about four other guys in that price range, one in which we will get to in that last game who's been on just an absolute tear. So that's probably the only guy I really have crazy interest in or any interest in. But, again, it's a late game. We might not have the news. So, you know, you could put him in a spot where maybe you can adjust it if you're playing, let's say, you know, LeBron, and all of a sudden you see that Gobert's rolled out and you want to make that swap. I wouldn't fault you one bit. Uh, otherwise, I don't see myself going to too much over here. 
on the Utah side of the ball, it's going to start and end with Gobert because we need to know whether or not he's playing. I mean, if he, I, I'm inclined to think he is playing because the one and a half point spread, Vegas usually knows all. Uh, if he was sitting, I imagine that spread jumps up just because we know that their defense turns into mush without Gobert. So keep your eye on that. But he did sit out that last one. I expect him to play. If he sits, we can go back to the well with Whiteside, even though something feels like – it just feels like fool's gold to me uh, going back to the well. I don't know in this matchup. I'd have some interest, though, at 5,400. It's hard not to. Whiteside, we know, is a fantastic point-per-minute guy. It's just one of those games where I can see him finding himself in foul trouble very early. I can see Giannis getting the line 14, 15 times in this game uh, if he is the starting center. So just keep your eye on that. I'm not going to be playing Mitchell at 8-9. I don't like to target him in this matchup. I expect Drew Holiday to be the guy that's on him for most of this game, kind of anchoring it. Also not chasing that Jordan Clarkson game. Uh, that was a, you know, I, I never pat myself on the back, Harris, but I did that show, and I said, uh, do I end up landing on him? I don't know, but this is the type of matchup where he will go off. Shooting guards crush the Kings, man, and he is career high, 45. Just Dude just went buck wild on them. But I'm not chasing that. I think, if anything, it would be like a Bogdanovich as a low-owned kind of GPP play at 5,600. Three-pointers are the way to get to the Bucks, and we know that he's not going to be shy shooting from there. Like I said, I expect Drew Holiday to be on Mitchell, uh, and if that's the case, it's going to be causing him some fits, and they're going to need some offense to be produced by Bogdanovich at that point. So uh, that's pretty much it for me. Keep your eye on it, though. If Gobert sits, Whiteside, I think Bogdanovich is in play either way. Yeah, right there with you, and uh... – you know, for all my fellow NBA Top Shot men, I'm sure they're all just shaking their fist in anger at what Whiteside did the last game because he totally like blew up the challenge and his moment went to like a thousand dollars for his rare one. So it's crazy, it's stupid. But regardless, uh, Whiteside, as you said, as long as he is uh, going to be playing, if Go Go Bears out, that's going to be the one place I have interest. Uh, Donovan Mitchell at 8900 again, we'll we'll never fault on being able to take that. I always love anytime his price tag is less than uh, less than nine thousand. It's just to me, a great spot. It's similar to uh, the Lamelo situation, where I find I'm taking him more often than not in those kind of cases. Uh, with Gobert in, I probably am more inclined to be able to take Donovan Mitchell because that'll take a little bit of that uh, pressure off of him. He's going to have a couple more outlets to be able to get away, and that usually helps as far as his uh, his offense is concerned. He's not going to be crowded the whole night. That being said, it's not like he had an incredible game that first one against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, he shot it pretty well, uh, got 40 DK points in that 28 real points. So the upside is definitely there and he's done in the past against Milwaukee. has had a couple of uh, pretty big games against him. So definitely something I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, Utah at home is always that little bit more intense than they are away from home. So that, that kind of puts me into place as far as uh, Donovan Mitchell is concerned. But as you said, I'm not going to be going after the uh, Jordan Clarkson game. He pretty much got the, all that opportunity with Mike Conley out, who is back this game. So that takes his shine away regardless for me. And then for those who want to chase the box score, they're welcome to do so. But I am not. Final game of the night. Your Toronto Raptors traveling to L.A., taking on the Lakers here. This one should be filled with fantasy goodness. No game total. But three and a half points spread. Raptors being favored here. Uh, to the injury report we go. Lakers on the second half of the backpacks. We're not going to see theirs. But for the Raptors, OG. Uh, Malachi Flynn, David Johnson, all rolled out. Brendan Lee is questionable. I anticipate that he does play in this one. Sat out that last one. It was a back-to-back, so did not shock me one bit there. I don't believe the Raptors have any back-to-backs until the next Sunday, Monday, so should be should be seeing some, some fan fleet in here. But uh, I will pass it over to you to talk about your Raptors. 
Who are you targeting? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the Raptors are coming in, coming in hot with a little bit of confidence with uh, them basically getting on to the last end of this road trip for them. They're going to see the Lakers not only in this game, but coming back in Toronto on Friday as well. So lots to play for in that end. They always seem to have something uh, special in the regular season, at least, to come up against the Lakers, especially with uh, LeBron on the other side. So I do expect this to be a really good game all the way through. Uh, Scotty Barnes, who's just first and foremost coming off an absolutely monster performance and really his performances have become to a point where it's just like, yeah, I, ex- I expect that from him as a point guard, regardless of how things, uh, how things go. Obviously with Van Vliet being there, that takes a little bit of that shine away from the fact that he would be able to get into those high assist games as well. But his rebounding is really coming around. His shooting is really coming around and by and large, uh, the Raptors have really liked those positions that they've been able to go ahead and play him in. Although the guy that I do have you know, interest in on the side here is going to be Precious Achua. And this is, wouldn't he saying that he played you know less minutes in the last game because Chris Boucher absolutely went off. I do expect in a more regular matchup now up against the Lakers, we are going to see a little bit more of Precious as a result, who, by the way, has been shooting from three, just absolutely lights out. He's up to like, I think it was uh, 14 of his last 27 threes at this point that he's hit. So even his, even though his rebounding total was not up to uh, you know where we have seen it for a good part of the season, the rest of his offense is coming around, which gives a lot of uh, a lot of excitement not only to Raptors fans but also just I believe in this matchup he's going to get more of an opportunity. And uh, dare dare I speak about uh, about Gary Trent, who uh, I did take in Phoenix, he did well there, but then he hurt me on the Denver side, so I seem to be one of two of his last couple of games. But again, it's, it's that price tag. It's that price tag that just continues to make him a guy that's constantly in play for me. Uh, with Van Vliet there, it just means that he ends up finding him a little bit more. You know he's going to get his shots up. It's just a little bit less crowded when he's able to do that without him. So definitely those guys are in play. I am avoiding Chris Boucher. I think in general, that last game, you talked about Whiteside being fool's gold. I think this game, uh, that last Denver game was absolute fool's gold as far as Chris Boucher is concerned. He is the epitome of inconsistency. You can maybe take a dart throw on him in GPP and hope that he can go ahead and follow this game. But I have a feeling people are going to be chasing that box score, expecting him to be able to play those kind of minutes and uh, find themselves disappointed. And I'm going to look to avoid that for 5,600. So for me with Boucher, it's all whether or not Van Vliet plays. If Van Vliet plays, I, I won't go anywhere near him. If Van Vliet sits, I do have interest in him. It's just I those are the matchups I always target him, and he ends up playing a few more minutes just because – uh, instead of just, you know, going with another point guard like Delano Banton and starting him at point guard, they end up sliding, like you said, Scotty Barnes down to the point, opens up some room in the lineup, and that's when we see a little bit more of Siakam playing the four. Uh, so in that case, I think I will have uh, interest in Boucher. But like I said from the start, I do expect Van Vliet to play in this one, and he's my favorite play on this slate, I think, in general. At 7,800, going against his Lakers team, who's been getting just absolutely torched by point guards, Sign me up. Uh, I do love me some Fred Van Vliet, and I am going to be overexposed uh, in all aspects to him. And Listen, you never really get too many down games from Van Vliet, where the floor is usually like that 30. Uh, we saw a down one against him in that last one. I think he only put up about 26, but uh, it was a rough shooting night for him. He was only 3 of 11, going against a tough Phoenix team. But he's always going to contribute when it comes to decent rebounds for a guard. He's averaging almost five, seven assists on the season, so... I, I love Freddie here. I'm expecting a big game from him if he ends up shooting up in this one. So keep your eye on him. But, again, if he sits, Boucher, Scotty Barnes, I'll go right back to the well. I do like your precious call. Decent spot for him. Lakers, I mean, it's the Lakers, man. They just give up points all over the place. So you can really look at any of these Raptors guys and feel good about it. Um, on the Lakers side of the ball, though, I mean, LeBron James, there's not much more we could say. 
three straight games of 70 DK points. This dude is just doing everything he can to will this team to a playing game at this point. Uh, he is my favorite spend up. If I'm spending up over that 11, any, I think anything over 11K, he's going to be my favorite play. Uh, I, I do see myself having some lineups where if I, if I have the money uh, to run it back with LeBron and Van Vliet getting exposure to both sides of the ball here, uh, I don't really see myself going to too much else here. Why in the hell is Russell Westbrook priced at 9-2? I couldn't tell you. Uh, it makes no sense to me. He's put up 150 DK point game, it feels like, uh, in the last month, and now all of a sudden these are going to price him over 9-2. Makes it easy to avoid him. I think most people probably were. Anyway, uh, and then the only other guy I kind of any interest in is going to be like a Kamar Anthony, uh, maybe Malik Monk, but even then there's better options I think at that price range. So it starts and ends with LeBron James for me, man, and that is it. Yeah, man, LeBronto. He just got to uh, 30, 10, and 10 for his entire career, which is just absolutely insane, first and foremost. But congrats to him on that. As you said, LeBron James just not only does he always save something for the Raptors. You know, I talk about taking Jimmy Butler against the Raptors. You take LeBron James against the Raptors. He's just, man, he, at this point, he might as well be a minority owner of the franchise. So you expect him to have his monster game. I do expect the rest of the Lakers to not be as involved. We'll have to see what uh, ends up happening with regards to uh, their uh, their center rotation. We'll see what they put up, uh, if they're going to be putting up a little bit more Dwight Howard to go up against uh, some of that size there. But regardless, as I've said in numerous podcasts, the only other guy other than LeBron I'm ever interested in is Malik Monk. And as you said, at this price tag, and now that he's into that 6,000 range, that's now fair price for what he's been doing, which has been consistently in that low to mid-30s. So I'll probably maybe have a share or two of him, but by and large, I'm going to be avoiding him in favor of uh, some of these other guys that we're seeing on here. But yeah, excited to see the actual game, but uh, we'll have to see if I can find spot for LeBron, depending on how many of the other uh, cheap guys I end up going for. And that's it. We just don't have the value available right now to load up on. We talked about so many high-priced guys, so we'll get to that in our player terror segment. But the value available is slim pickings at this point. Uh, but that's how it was the night before, and then all of a sudden, come you know 4 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's getting ruled out, all this value opens up. So we will head over to our player tier segment. I will pass it over to you to give your favorite spend-up. Yeah, and there's so many spend-ups that uh, are absolutely legit, but I'm going to stick with the fact that LaMelo at 8,500 is just way too cheap for me. We talk about a guy who has that 50-point upside consistently. I have I know he hasn't had uh, you know, the hottest of streaks as of late, but he's in a fantastic matchup up against OKC. He's a peskier team at home. I expect that game to stay uh, in that kind of seven-point spread, which will probably require their starters to play their regular allotment of minutes, which gives LaMelo all the chance to be able to get another uh, 50 DK points game here and really get himself going on the offensive end. So LaMelo at 8,500 has all the upside. That's my guy. I'm just going to go right back to where I just was with LeBron James at 12K. I mean, there's plenty of guys that we've talked about. Could have said Sabonis. Uh, could have went Rozier because he's in that threshold. I uh, mentioned him as well. Uh, could have went Vooch. But, I mean, when it's all said and done, if I have the money to spend up on LeBron, I'm going to try to find a way to do it uh, because we'll get to my mid-tier play, who we also just spoke about. You know, there we go, cats out of the bag. And I want to get exposure to this late game. I think that this is going to be a firework game. And LeBron's been in just straight takeover mode. I think ever since we saw that 50, uh, what was it, 56 point game from him, um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall and what was coming after that point. It's going to be LeBron just doing everything he can. Uh, he's not as worried about being a facilitator. He can't do that if he needs to be. But bottom line, this dude's been taking at least 25 shot attempts over the past three games. You talk about the best basketball player on the planet. 
taking 25 shot attempts. And keep in mind, he is also one of the greatest facilitators of all time. Coupled with that, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. I would expect 60-point games from LeBron from almost here on out. And on the down games, we're going to see like 55. Uh, so I'll pay the 12K for that. I have no issues looking there. Um, and now your mid-tier play. Yeah, and, and the mid-tier one is where I'm a little bit more, I guess, apprehensive of who it is that I really want to go into. But honestly, I think I'm going to stay on brand with my uh, with my Portland trend in Watford. Just continues to be a guy that is just been really good for me in general and just been really good for the Portland Trailblazers for a team that's absolutely going to the bottom of the barrel. They're trying to see exactly what they have in terms of their youth movement. Moved into the starting lineup last game, played 38 minutes. I expect that to be the norm going forward. Nurkic is pretty much out for the season at this point, so we don't expect him anytime soon. And really what's been exciting about Trent Watford is just how efficient he has looked on the offensive end and showing that he has a lot in his bag as far as his offensive side of things are concerned. So I do think there's a lot uh, to like there. We know Atlanta is never going to be a defensive stalwart of a team, so it just gives them that opportunity to keep doing what he's doing. Even though they're likely going to lose by double digits, he's going to get his mid-30 minutes, and that puts him in a great spot to get 40-plus yet again. Perfect. All right. I'll give two here because obviously Van Vliet is the guy I'm going with. But if he happens to get ruled out, uh, it'll be another injury caveat type player. And I would be looking at Kevin Love if Mori Markkinen sits. Uh, should most likely draw another start up in there. And uh, those two guys, based on what who plays and who doesn't play, uh, would be the guys I'm looking at. And then for your Alex Caruso value play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's the given out here. The only the only other caveat to this is the uh, the Minnesota side of things. If Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly somehow end up not playing, then I get a little bit more interest in uh, in Malik Beasley as well. But like you said, it's the it's the Alex Caruso train all the way through. I think he's just an absolute smash pick at that forty two hundred. The only other other uh, one, just I want to throw it out there. I want to see how many minutes they uh, give out to uh, Draymond Green. What's given out there, and if that happens to be. In that expected 15 to 20 minute range, then Kevon Looney continues to be a guy that I'm always interested in for his price tag of 4300. Yep, I can't fault you, Crusoe would be the guy I would pick as well. Um, there are a lot of options down here that I'm really interested in, so I'll give two based on injuries. Uh, I would not mind looking at like a guy like Dylan Gallinari if we see John Collins is ruled out, and then keep your eye on the wings over there if Justin Holiday is ruled out for the Kings. I think that opens up some value for a guy like Dante DiVincenzo at 4500 or even Jeremy Lamb down there at his price tag as well. So, uh, again, just some things to monitor. Hopefully we get some more value that opens up so I can use some of this money to spend up on the guys I want to. But as of right now, it is tough. There is not a lot of good value. I think that that low 5K range has a little bit of better options, but... And then we will slide over, my friend, to the Thrive Fantasy Picks of the Night. I will let you start, as always, because I am a gentleman. What are you looking at here? Yeah, and unlike uh, the value plays that we saw, which were slim pickings, I do think there's a number of uh, potentially juicy options over here. But really that LaMelo Ball, 34.5 points, rebounds, and assists combined for 105 has been where my eyes kind of been locked in on. I do think that's a great spot, again, with that Charlotte game, everything else. Uh, set aside, he'll probably play his regular allotment of minutes, and I expect just his points and assists to be able to hit that. So the rebounds are just a nice bonus. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, – I like the Evan Mobley over nine and a half rebounds. I want to see market and sit if I – I mean play. Excuse me, market and play, and I'll have more interest in, uh, in that pick just because, as we know, market and play is a little bit further away from the basket. I think Mobley would pretty much be guaranteed ten boards if market happens to play in that one going against the Clippers. So that would probably be my my number one pick over there. But I guess I could always do a caveat uh, just in case he doesn't 
you know, doesn't look the way that we want it to. And then market ends up sitting and Kevin Love starts. Uh, and then I think there's, uh, there's a couple other ones. I could, I had another one circled. Um, I, I mean, the Lamella one's nice and all. Um, I do like that one. The Dejounte Murray over nine and a half rebounds. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, I'm not expecting him to necessarily be the greatest DFS option, but that's 115 for the over nine and a half rebounds in his spot as well. And the one thing that we know with Dejounte Murray, even if the shots not falling, the ancillary stats always seem to be there. Uh, and we just have to hope that it is over that 10 rebound mark, but a couple, couple solid ones for good money on those. We just have to get across your fingers a little bit on the Murray one, but that brings us home. That is everything guys. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us. We do appreciate it. If you have the time and you can give us a five star thumbs up, rate review, that would mean the world to us. Uh, if not a follow on Twitter is just as well. You know, you can find me at Mike Apatria, M I K E A P O T R I A. You find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. We will be back tomorrow. It will be Santino. It will be DJ Sammy Caps. They'll be crushing that Tuesday slate for you guys. And then my friend Harris, is there anything else you would like to leave us with before we get on out of here? Oh, not at all. I wish everyone else the best with their season-long fantasy playoffs. I'm sure a number of you guys are going right into that. So, you know, when DFS doesn't work out, hopefully the season-long one does because in the end it's all about those gains. And hopefully I'll be in that for at least one or two of these leagues. We'll see how it goes. We'll let you know on my next uh, on my next pod. We will find out the in the, the suspense is building whether or not Harris gets to the next round. But uh, yeah, I'm right there, man. So I, I need a little luck on my side with the way my team's been been going down with injuries. I finally get Brogdon back, and now he is in the protocol. But as always, guys, take care and let's go crush some GPPs.